0: Welcome to Just the Truth. In case you didn't see what happened on Twitter over the weekend, we have a great story for you and two of the best guests here to react. So what happened? Well, everyone was just uh, celebrating the resurrection of Easter, going to church, and churches were open this Sunday. It was an amazing, wonderful thing. Um, I was home in Colorado with my family uh, celebrating the wonderful resurrection of Easter. But some people on the Democrat side have to put out progressive ridiculous ridiculous nonsense. So this was the tweet from Senator Raphael Warnock. He tweeted, and he's, he calls himself a reverend, by the way. He tweeted, the meaning of Easter is more transcendent than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Whether you are a Christian or not, through a commitment to helping others, we are able to save ourselves. Now, anyone who has been a Christian for any amount of time who understands the truth of the gospel knows that this is total heresy. We cannot save ourselves. The truth of the reality of the resurrection, the literal historical event that Christians all across the globe celebrate every Sunday, but especially on Easter Sunday, is all about the fact that we are fallen, we cannot save ourselves, and that's our need for a Savior. So I tweeted back to him, uh, quote, this is a false gospel and heresy. We cannot save ourselves. The absolute truth and only meaning of Easter that matters is the literal, physical resurrection of Jesus Christ, and we must accept him as Lord and Savior. Read Romans, quote unquote, Reverend Warnock, you are a false teacher. So this, of course, then went viral and we had uh, some of the leftists and personalities on MSNBC then chiming in and defending Warnock's tweet, even though he later deleted it. So our good friend Will Chamberlain posted this. Joy Reid went all in defending Reverend Warnock's heresy for Warnock to delete the tweet. Happy Easter, everyone. She had a quote tweeted me saying, this lady is literally calling the pastor of Ebenezer Baptist Church, the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr.'s church, a heretic. That actually happened today. Madam, I'm going to take Reverend Warnock's take as a pastor and scholar on the word over yours, if you don't mind. Well, of course I do mind. And uh, Joy Ann Reed also quote tweeted me and said this, Sorry, but what are your credentials to debate theology with an actual pastor? Defending Donald Trump, the golden idol of the right, as he lied to his supporters to further a grift on them. Well, I said, Joy, I'm an actual Christian. And that's what we're here to talk about. And so my uh, two guests are Pastor Daryl Scott, who is the host of Smackdown here on Real America's Voice News, and my good friend Eric Metaxas, who is the host of The Eric Metaxas Show and also has a brand new book titled Fish Out of Water. So gentlemen, thanks so much for joining me tonight. And I want to get your reaction. Uh, first, Pastor Scott, uh, you had also tweeted about Joy Reid and uh, this calling out uh, reverend, and I put that in quotation marks, uh, as heresy. And I just want to get your reaction.
1: Well, you know, first of all, th- thanks for having me on. I think Reverend Warnock, Raphael Senator Warnock was sitting at home on Easter Resurrection Sunday, trying to think up something profound to tweet that could underscore his leftist socialist platform, and he came up with this. Now you know there's a difference between a calling and a profession. When you have a genuine calling, there are convictions that accompany that calling. Where when you have a profession, you might you don't necessarily have to have any convictions to engage in it. And then sometimes, you know, callings segue or digress into professions when someone loses that zeal for the Lord and they seek to uh, gain the acceptance of the world because this could not have been a mistake. Nominal, baby Christians don't make this mistake. And the thing is that, you know, even though he deleted it, he did not apologized for it, nor did he recant it. Um, that's a great point. I really believe if there had not been any social media backlash. If you, for example, Jenna had not taken a stand, he would have left it up and he was trying to sway as many people as he could to his left leftist ideology and uh, this socialistic gospel that I, I guess he's endeavoring to present. But once again, this is not a mistake. You don't make mistakes like this. You don't take away the efficacy of the blood of Jesus Christ and make as if man is capable of saving himself through good works. There's a, so, that's a socialistic uh, works-based gospel that is a damnable heresy, not just a heresy, a damnable heresy.
0: Absolutely. And so he's going to have
1: to give an account for that.
0: Yes, he will. And, and I think it's important to note that I invited uh, Reverend Warnock or Senator Warnock on this program tonight to defend his tweet, to explain to people why he tweeted it in the first place, and then also why he deleted it. Because you're right, he just casually deleted it, didn't make any other further statements. And so, Eric, I want to bring you into this. Uh, this is right for Christians to call out heresy, where this is something that fundamentally goes against the gospel of Jesus Christ and everything taught in the Bible.
2: It, there's so many things wrong with it that I, I actually don't know where to start. Let, let, let's start on an atheological theological point. Uh, I was an English major in college. I'm a writer. He misuses the word transcendent. It's obvious that he was trying to say something like uh, the meaning of Easter transcends simply the resurrection. In other words, there's a point to be made there, right? Um, but he says is more transcendent that's not good English, it's bad English. So, he's not even saying what he wants to say correctly, but giving him the benefit of the doubt, he's suggesting two things that are flat out wrong. Now, listen anyone who gets this wrong, I would give him a pass. But the guy is a U.S. senator and he is a reverend. So, the idea that you don't understand, you know, it's sort of like If somebody explains the faith, the first thing that they would say is the bodily resurrection of Jesus is everything. Everything hinges on that. If you don't have that, there's nothing else to discuss.
0: And Eric, we're going to come right back and talk more about this here on Just the Truth.
3: Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital.
0: Welcome back to Just the Truth, where I'm talking with my good friends, Pastor Daryl Scott and Eric Metaxas about Senator Warnock's ridiculous, heretical tweet from Easter Sunday, which said this. The meaning of Easter is more transcendent than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Whether you are a Christian or not, through a commitment to helping others, we are able to save ourselves. So before the break, Eric, you were talking about how this doesn't even really make sense at he all. and
2: He needs to cut to the chase and say, all hail Satan, because that's kind of what this kind of heresy is. If you say, I can save myself through works, that's like basic, basic theology, right? The point is, no, you cannot. It's like saying, we're going to swim to Hawaii. We're all in California. Let's swim to Hawaii. Some people you know, are going to be able to make it uh, 10 yards, they'll drown. Some people will make it 10 miles and they'll drown. We all die. No one can make it to Hawaii. In other words, There is not a human being who can save himself or herself on their own. You'll never get there. It doesn't matter how hard you try. So the idea that somebody who's a reverend would say that, it's really, it's basic. That's the reason we have a savior who died on the cross and rose from the dead, because it's by faith in him who's perfect that we can be saved. We cannot be saved by being a good person. You can never be good enough. That's the basic gospel of Jesus. You realize I can't do it. I can't save myself. So no matter what I do, it doesn't get me to heaven. But here's what's cool is that if you believe in the resurrection, then suddenly you want to do good things. You want to help people, but it is out of your faith in Jesus. It's not as an effort to earn heaven. So if you know that what he did on the cross earns heaven. If I believe in him, I can go to heaven because of what he did. And then everything I do is just gravy. It's just added to it. It's just a wonderful celebration that I can go to heaven and I can live my life glorifying God and helping uh, my fellow man. But when you put the cart before the horse and you say that my good works, when I do stuff, I can save myself, it is fundamentally wrong. I mean, it's so crazy that he's a reverend and that he would tweet that. It's actually scary. And what Joy Reid says about him, you know, being the pastor of Martin Luther King Jr.'s church, that that's on him. That's the most embarrassing thing. It's kind of like, you know, saying, Well, he's the president of the United States and he brought prostitutes into the White House and he says he's a Catholic, so obviously that must be okay. I don't think so.
0: Right. And that's a great point, Eric, to say that just because he's the reverend and he happens to be a reverend of uh, this famous church in Atlanta doesn't mean that Christians shouldn't uh, scrutinize and make sure that what he is teaching is not a false gospel, and that's why calling this out as heresy is so important. And then you have people like Joy Reid who then step in to defend him only, let's be real, because he is a liberal Democrat senator from Georgia, and also Pastor Scott. You know, let's let's not forget he is pro-choice, which is clearly against the Bible, and he also graduated from Union theology. Seminary, which in 2019 posted a tweet saying that they uh, were going to confess to plants as some sort of uh, ritualistic, and there we have it right there, uh, some sort of ritualistic idea for global warming and how we have to confess our sins to plants, which is absolutely insane compared to what the Bible actually says. So when you have people like Joy Reid, and then um, I also want to put up this tweet here from uh, Mehdi Hassan, who of course is yet another uh, liberal leftist, who says to me, uh, conservatives who worshiped at the altar of Trump, who, lest we forget, declared himself, quote unquote, the chosen one and the second coming of Jesus are now questioning the Christian credentials and beliefs of a black pastor putting reverend in quotation marks, shameful. Well, Pastor Scott, isn't it shameful that now we can't criticize a Democrat senator simply because he's black?
1: Well, let's, let's go down a, a couple of these points here that you brought out, Jenna and I'll get to that. First of all, Joey Reed defended him by saying that he, uh, you called him a heretic and he pastored the church formerly pastored by Martin Luther King Jr. If Martin Luther King Jr. was alive today, he would call him a heretic too. yes a hundred percent So let's get that out of the way Jesus called people like him blind guides whales without water whited sepulchers and he's epitomizing those uh, uh, symbols that are in the Bible and they went to their default card which is what they always do anytime they're criticized is go to the race card oh I said something wrong but she pointed out what I said was wrong because I'm black. Notice, nobody tried to defend the accuracy of the statement. You were doing what the Bible says in Jude, earnestly contending for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Now, what you would expect is for Joy Reed or his son to defend the accuracy of the statement to give, you know, theological grounds or reasons why the statement Warnock made was accurate. And nobody did that. They went to all of these other default mechanisms. Oh, he passed the Martin Luther King's church. Uh, you, you don't have credentials behind your name. And he's a reverend and you're not. And, and he's black and, and, and you're not. And, uh, you know, so, and even for him to say, notice what he said. Think about, as Eric stated, how foolish this entire uh, statement is. First of all, he said it is more transcendent. That's dumb to conjoin those two words, more and transcendent, when he could have simply said it just transcends. But then he went on to say Christians and non-Christians can save themselves. Now, if these are true Christians he's talking about, they're already saved. (laughs) That's why they're Christians, because they've confessed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And they've given their life over to the Lord, and they're saved through grace. And non-Christians, what he's saying is, that Jesus is not the way, the truth, and the the life. He's saying that there is a way unto the Father that does not have to go through Jesus, that's simply doing good works. And the word good, that's a subjective term. Good works is a subjective idea in the first place because what defines what is good and what is better and what is best. And so, you know, this whole statement is just ridiculous. It's nonsense. I don't understand how anybody, and I'm not minimizing anyone but if there's someone that has a storefront church with three members that pastor wouldn't wouldn't say anything like that Mm -hmm. let alone this guy's supposed to be one of the more prominent baptist churches in the country he says something and not only did he not recant the statement none of the other baptists have come out against the statement either that's what kills me that whatever organization or denomination he's a part of their silence literally is their agreement or acceptance.
0: Yeah, and you know that. raises another thing, is another last thing, great, last yeah, thing. Ahead.
1: Trump never said he was the second coming of Jesus. That's a lie. He never said it.
0: Well, they, of course, take everything out of context, and they want to pretend that you know evangelicals who supported Donald Trump in uh, the election in 2016 and 2020 are worshiping him. They confuse intentionally the difference between supporting President Trump for President of the United States. And last time I checked, Jesus Christ himself is not running for President of the United States. He is our Lord and Savior, and those are two very, very different things. We support Donald Trump. And we support candidates who are pro-life, who are for religious freedom, who are for all of the fundamentals of what make America great, because we protect and preserve the rights that are given by God, our creator. We recognize that truth and we support candidates as evangelical Christians or as Christians who are fundamentally rooted in the truth of the Bible because we recognize the truth of God and they intentionally confuse that. But Eric, um, within this statement, if he's talking to uh, Christians and non-Christians alike, then according to his tweet, what's the point of even becoming a Christian?
2: Listen, what we're dealing with here is leftist uh, ideology, which is social, social gospel ideology. You mentioned that he went to Union Theological Seminary. Okay, I wrote a book about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, which is right behind me over over here on the other side. In that book, I talk about Bonhoeffer going to Union, the same place that uh, Warnock went to. Bonhoeffer went there in the 30s, the 1930s, and he was shocked in the 1930s, 90 years ago, at the woke ideology. It wasn't called that back then, but he saw exactly what you see in the Reverend Warnock's tweet. He saw social gospel confused with Christian faith. He knew, Bonhoeffer knew, this is not Christian faith, that we are saved by grace only, by faith in Jesus only, and then we're motivated to obey God and to bless others and to do all these things. But the social gospel already in the 1930s, and obviously it's carried on very strongly at Union, gives us the idea that we're not so sure about the miracles. We're not sure about the resurrection, the bodily resurrection. We're not sure about walking on water. We're not sure about the virgin birth. We're not sure about any of that stuff, but here's what we know. Jesus is a good guy and he fed people. And they basically reduced the Christian faith to that kind of thing. You don't need to be a Christian to feed people. You don't need to be a Christian to do good works. Anybody can do good works. To be a Christian uh, is a whole other thing. And so Union Theological Seminary has gone so far in the leftist direction. You may not even believe this. I don't know if Pastor Scott knows this. They had in their pulpit a host of liberals. You wouldn't even believe the names, but the number one name that sticks out to me, you ready? Fidel Castro spoke from that pulpit at Union, not far from where I'm sitting here in New York City. As a seminary. are leftist ideologues. Christianity is just a patina over whatever it is they're doing. They really have given themselves over to leftist ideology. And I, I guess I have to say, I'm, it's embarrassing to me. It's embarrassing that you could have a man be the pastor of this historic church and not understand one plus one equals two. This is the equivalent of one plus one equals two. If he said one plus one equals three and we tweeted against it, would it be racist for a white guy like me using my white privilege to say no, one plus one equals two? We're not talking about race. We're not talking about anything. We're talking about the basics. And if you can go to union and get a degree from union, let's think about this and graduate and not know Mm -hmm. What we're talking about, it's a little bit staggering. I have to say it's it's shameful on the part of union. This
0: is the state now of the Christian church. And I want to talk about that uh, more in the next segment about how pastors need to be standing up for truth. Pastors need to be calling this out as heresy. Pastors need to say, I reject the fact that the left is calling this hate speech because when truth is an exclusive truth, like we know the truth of the Bible, it, it stands For truth, and so therefore, anything against that is by definition false, and we're not allowed to say that somehow in the midst of all of the cultural cancel culture narrative. So, we're gonna be right back to talk about this more.
2: Okay, picture this it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road.
0: continuing the conversation here on Just the Truth about the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and how Christianity is an exclusive truth. And that is something fundamentally that pastors need to stand up for, that Christians need to stand up for. We cannot buy into all of this cultural nonsense about just tolerating everyone's, their truth versus my truth. No, there is one exclusive truth. And if you want to be saved, if you want to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have to embrace the truth of the reality to which God has presented us and the truth of who he is. And you then, by definition, reject falsity like what Raphael Warnock tweeted on Easter Sunday. That's what we're talking about right now with my good friends, Pastor Daryl Scott, who is the host of SmackDown here Saturday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern on Real America's Voice. And also my good friend, Eric Metaxas, host of uh, the Eric Metaxas Show and also author of the brand new book, Fish Out of Water. So gentlemen, continuing this conversation uh Pastor Scott, why aren't more pastors speaking truth from the pulpits? They're talking about white fragility, all of this other cancel culture nonsense. They're afraid to stand up and speak the truth that works certainly okay and have courage to stand up and speak. It's really not that hard.
1: Well, a number of pastors these days are more political than they are pastoral. They seek to be pleasers of men rather than pleasers of God, and they esteem their blackness and their ethnicity over christianity and so they know there are a number that know that what Raphael warnock tweeted was heresy that it was error it was it was a lie from the pit of hell they know that but they're not going to speak out against it uh and for the sake of what they consider to be unity but you don't they don't realize that that's not unity that's conspiracy it's a conspiracy of silence We don't know how many innocents were or could have been led astray by that. And and erroneously believe that their good works will merit them a ticket to heaven and the favor of God because Raphael Warnock said that it's bigger than the resurrection, it's bigger than Jesus, it's bigger than this observance of Easter, that all it entails is you doing good to your fellow man in whatever subjective way that you believe good doing is and that will merit you salvation. And a number of pastors, once again, need to stand up and stop being afraid of cancel culture, afraid of any backlash, afraid of the opinions of people, and really believe God and believe what they preach. If we stand there every week and we... We pronounce these scriptures. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm more than a conqueror through him that loves me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. If we can stand and quote those scriptures and claim we have faith in God, then we prove it by letting God be true and every man be a liar and believe God will back us up even though people might be against us.
0: Yeah, and Eric, you know what is it with Christians today who are uh, promoting all of this false gospel and they are too timid to stand up for truth? Have we just gotten too lazy and comfortable in America that we, unlike Bonhoeffer, the great book that you wrote um, you know about Christians who literally uh, were martyred for their faith? Uh, we seem to have this uh, timidity and fear to even just be canceled or to be called out on Twitter.
2: It's an amazing thing, isn't it? I mean, we're supposed to be willing to die for our faith. There are people, while we have this comfortable conversation, there are innumerable people suffering torture, uh, persecutions we can't even imagine for their faith in Jesus. It's that simple. And we're worried about what people are going to think. I mean, as a white guy, I'm not supposed to say Black Lives Matter is out of the pit of hell. Why? It's a Marxist organization that harms black people. So if you care about black people, it doesn't matter if you're white or black, you need to say, Marxist policies, socialist policies, anti-family policies, which are promulgated by Black Lives Matter and the leadership, which is Marxist, is bad. It is going to harm black people. If you care about black people, how do you not say that? But the thing is, there are so many, especially white pastors, they have so much white guilt, they buy into this. How can I say anything? Well, can you say one plus one equals two? Is that a racial issue? You can't say that. Can you say we can only be saved by faith in Jesus Christ? Can you say that? You're going to bump up against people who disagree with you. If we don't know what we believe and stand up, I mean, I, what I find interesting is that in a weird way, people who behave out of this white guilt that they're they're, they're not going to speak because how dare they say anything. I think to myself, you must have some racism in you to feel so guilty that you're mm-hmm. unafraid that you're afraid to actually speak about the basics and to treat a black man like Senator Warnock, like your fellow human being, and to say, respectfully, that's wrong. You need to take that down. Uh, Or to say to to the people at Ebenezer Baptist Church, what are you doing? What has happened to the church of the great Dr. King that you have a man in the pulpit now who doesn't know that? I mean, to me, this is kind of basic stuff, but you have a lot of people that they're simply afraid. They don't have courage. And when the chips are down, they cave and they talk about ridiculous things like, oh, we're going to have, we're going to talk about white fragility in our church. Why don't you talk about sin? Because sin kind of covers every kind of problem we have. You don't need to talk about, let's talk about this sin. Why? (laughs) Talk about every sin that there is. We are all tribalist, racist, selfish monsters apart from the grace of Jesus Christ. That's a a universal uh, message. But I think a lot of people are, they really are afraid. And and John, I got to say in my Bonhoeffer book, This happened in Germany. German pastors, a lot of good pastors, when the chips were down, they were afraid to speak up against the Nazis. They said, oh, I don't wanna lose my job. I might lose my job. My neighbor might look at me funny. So they said nothing. And because of their cowardice in the moment of truth, millions went to the gas chambers. What we say, what we do, whether we have courage or don't, it matters. People are watching us. The devil is watching us. God is watching us. So we need to forget about how it feels, and we need to do the right thing and trust God, because in the end, history will judge us. God will judge us, but history will judge us. And people who don't speak about, who don't speak against Marxism, I want to say to those people, do you really care about the urban poor? that you would allow an organization preaching Marxism uh, to have a voice in American culture, you clearly don't care about the poor. You clearly care about yourself and your reputation because you're afraid to risk your reputation and to speak truth because that's what's going to harm the urban Poor if you care about them.
0: And that's really the the crux of the matter is that people are so concerned to speak truth because they don't want to have it impact their lives negatively. And that's where, you know, people are happy to give a political opinion, they're happy to comment on Kamala Harris's shoes or, you know, things that ultimately don't matter, and they're okay with being contentious when it's just name-calling. But when it's actually uncomfortable, then that's where you find out are people willing to stand for the truth? And that's why on this show we we always bring everything back to the fundamental biblical worldview, which is centered and focused on truth, because none of the rest of it matters if you don't start with the truth of the Bible and the truth of who God is. And Pastor Darrell, that gets me to the question of uh, church discipline. I mean, there were a lot of things then going around on Twitter with uh, the, the people like myself and others, and, and you also calling out you know, Joy Reid for believing Warnock over the Word of God. What happened to church discipline and being willing in America for the church to stand firm and say, you are teaching heresy, therefore we will follow Matthew 18, and we will uh, make sure that we are going to exercise church discipline and church authority over you?
1: I mean, you're absolutely right, because... You know what a person believes actually determines where they spend eternity, and so it's critical, it's very critical that you believe right. But how you have to, in order to believe right, you have to be taught right, or you have to learn right, and so we have to police ourselves in the body of Christ in the sense that we have the Word of God as a standard. There is a standard for us to uh, use to determine the, what is right and what is wrong, what is truth and what is error. You know, when I was coming up. In the church, we, for every statement that we made, we had to have chapter and verse to back it up. But nowadays, people are so, as Eric said, so concerned about social media, so concerned about likes. Uh, I remember um, a pastor said to me one time, he said, uh, hey, man, I, I don't know how you hold up under the pressure you're under. And I said, what pressure? He said, well, a lot of people are attacking and talking about you on Twitter. I said, that's no pressure. I say pressure is I've got a family to feed, I don't have any money coming in, I got an eviction notice gonna be put out on a tree line on Friday, I've got a wife that's sick of an incurable disease. I said, people talking about me on Twitter, that's no pressure because I can control that. All I have to do is not look at it. But there are so many pastors and preachers that are so concerned about social media that social media has literally become the god of a number of people that are in this world, you know. When I was coming up, we were taught, take your problems to God. Take your issues to God. Take your burden to the Lord. Now they take their burden to social media. Now they mm-hmm. take their issues to social media. Now they take their problems to social media. But just like you said, Jenna, there are those that need to stand up in church discipline. If I'm not mistaken, Eric wrote a book on Martin Luther. Mm-hmm. Am I correct, Eric? I no, think Martin I have Luther that book. You wrote here, a book on Martin Luther, Martin Luther and yes, Martin did. Luther stood up. Mm-hmm. When everybody else was Here rolling over and playing dead no and said, I don't care who doesn't like it. This doctrine is wrong. Absolutely. <laughs> By grace, you are saved through faith and not of works, lest any man should boast.
0: See, and we're backing so on, this up, come up with, on that with,
2: me. with scripture. It, it's because, I mean, this is the bottom line. People say, well, he's so courageous. Let, let me be blunt. It's an issue of faith. He feared God more than he yeah. feared being burnt at yeah. the stake. He feared going to hell and burning for eternity for saying what they wanted to hear. He said, before God, I have to speak the truth. He feared God. If you fear God, you're going to be careful about what you say and what you're going to go along with. Obviously, look, there are many people like uh, Senator Warnock, they're political figures. Uh, we, we know that this has happened to parts of the black church. It's par- happened to parts of the white church. It's just a political thing. Union Theological Seminary caters to that idea that it's just woke, progressive, social gospel, cultural Marxism, but they say it's a seminary. Obviously, it's not. They haven't been teaching the basics we're talking about for literally 90 years. I mean, Bonhoeffer wrote letters home mocking it. He said, I've never seen, they have no theology here. This was a man who got his doctorate in theology Uh, from berlin at age 21 so he goes over there he's embarrassed that they don't understand the atonement they understand nothing except soup kitchen and eric we got to take a break right there but
0: we'll be right back to talk with eric metaxas and pastor scott more on just the truth Welcome back to Just the Truth, where we're talking about the truth of Christianity and making sure that we as Christians in America today do not get too comfortable that we do not teach truth, that we are too afraid of being canceled or censored by social media or having hate tweets thrown at us. I mean, people comment on my Twitter feed all the time. I've had people who say, how can you endure that? And I just think, you know what? My platform, my voice is ultimately for the glory of God, period. And if I'm not using my voice in whatever way I can to teach truth, then what am I doing? So we are talking with my good friends, Pastor Daryl Scott and Eric Metaxas about Reverend Warnock. Reverend, of course, in air quotes, uh, and about his Easter tweet that was so heretical, he actually deleted it uh, shortly after he was called out by myself, by uh, Allie Beth Stuckey, by a few others, by Pastor Daryl Scott, who weren't afraid to call him out on his heresy. And then at the end of the thread, uh, I tweeted this, Warnock deleted his heretical tweet. He should delete reverend in front of his name too. So before the break, Eric, you were talking about how seminaries like Warnock's shouldn't be giving him the title of reverend and aren't even teaching truth anymore.
2: And I was gonna say he should delete senator because I don't think he actually won that race, but who am I to judge? Um, that's my truth, okay, Jenna? Let me say this. <laughs> hey, we can right talk now, about that according to the left. You, you, ha- you have, you have um, a lot of people in seminaries who, again, it's a level of, it, it's a good thing to say I care what others think. That, that's healthy but when you take it so far that you're willing to bend the truth. If you cannot teach your students that Marxism is out of the pit of hell, it is a godless, fundamentally, inherently godless philosophy. Socialism uh, harms the poor. If you really care about people, if you love people, as Jesus commands us to love people and care for them, You've got to speak that. You can't say it's not cool to speak it now. All the young people, they're really into socialism. Well, the young people are also into pornography and drugs. Why do you not understand that it is your role to speak the truth? Uh, at places like Fuller, at a lot of places that were straight up, uh, they have, in many cases, leaned toward BLM, toward talking about things like, you know, what critical race theory that stuff, it's all out of the pit of hell. It's, it's, it's incredibly, fundamentally at odds with what the scripture teaches, and it harms people. Even if you don't care about the word of God, you care about people. Socialism hurts people. Marxism hurts people. Marxism destroys black families. Uh, BLM is not uh, interested in, in, in strengthening black men as fathers. All these things, th- that is the, the province Of a pastor to care about that stuff. And so when you have seminaries, look, union for sure is one of the worst, if not the worst. And that's literally true for 90 years. They've not been teaching the word of God, but you've got a lot of people in a lot of pulpits who they give lip service to BLM or to whatever it is. They have to understand if you really care about people, you would never do that. You'd be speaking against it and you'd let your people know this is Marxism. This is harmful. This is anti-family. This is anti-everything that the word of God says. You need to have a little bit of courage, but I would say that if you really understand it, how can you not speak it?
0: Absolutely. And, you know, Pastor Scott, I see uh, Christian colleges as well. I mean, not just seminaries, but colleges who say that they they have Christian in the title or they're supposedly founded on Christian principles. A lot of their students are going woke and are saying uh, that the, the real Jesus is just the man who loved everyone and he was just a prophet. I mean, they have no idea the central truths of the gospel. And somehow they've bought into this whole cultural phenomenon of not understanding who the real Jesus is, and they are not willing to stand up, even if it's unpopular. How can we start reversing that trend?
1: You know, Peter said in, in his epistle that no prophecy of the scriptures is a private interpretation or personal release. We interpret scripture by scripture. Young people oftentimes have ideals of how they thinks, think, think things should be or are. And there, as Paul said about the Jews in uh, the book of Romans, I bear record with them that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. They have this conception of Jesus as some hippie flower child that just went around. I'm so happy, and I love everybody, and I do everything, and I just, you know, I've said a few things that some people took me to task about. First of all, I said, if you notice something about Jesus feeding people, he fed the people that came to hear him preach. He didn't just gather the disciples up and go down into the poor areas of town and start multiplying fish and turning stones into bread. The people that came to hear him, those were the ones that he fed. And then you know, I, I had someone tell me one time, uh, they came at me pretty rough on Twitter, and I clapped back. And they said, well, what would Jesus have said? And I said, well, go to the 23rd chapter of Matthew. Jesus called his critics snakes, fools, hypocrites, blind guides, and told them they were all going to hell. That's how he answered his critics. So this conception of Jesus as just some smiling, happy, loving, lovey-dovey-dovey person that just was concerned with, I love everybody, I'm gonna help everybody, and do everything for everybody. That's not the Jesus of the Bible.
0: Absolutely. Jesus
1: wanted to draw people to a saving relationship with the Lord God through him, with the Father, Through him.
0: I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except through me. That is pretty exclusive. And Eric, you know, this just goes back to uh, what we were talking about that so many people don't want to be canceled if they say, you know, oh, well, we're standing up for the truth. But yet we've seen throughout human history that the people who have stood firm, especially in the last 2,000 years plus, of the church and in the church age since Jesus came and his literal physical death and resurrection, that the people who have stood firm on that truth throughout history have not always had it easy, but it's always been worth it.
2: Well, think about it. Uh, In my book on William Wilberforce, he stood against the slave trade. Why did he do that? He did that because of what the scriptures said. He had a conviction that I must do the right thing. Your average churchgoer in those days and your average uh, minister didn't want anything to do with this. They were all the equivalent of what the pastors are today who are leaning woke or putting a BLM flag outside. They didn't want any trouble. In Bonhoeffer's day, it was the same thing. You have all these German pastors talking a good game. When the chips are down, they're not going to say anything against the Nazis. There is a time when you're going to pay a price. But when you understand that Jesus paid it all, you cannot outgive God. He gave you everything and would give you more than everything the least you can do is speak what he tells you is true and try to bless people with it look this is everywhere this is in the white evangelical church it's in black churches the catholic church how many black uh, sorry how many catholic bishops are calling out Joe Biden for claiming to be catholic he is pro abortion he is pro everything that the church stands for and they're not saying anything about it. So this goes all across the board. There are plenty of people in every denomination that they just want to get by. Some of them are are ignorant, like pastor Warnock seems to be uh, ignorant, but there are others that are just going along with it. They kind of know, but, but, They just want to be popular. They don't want to call out, you know, the man in the White House. Well, there is a time when you need to speak up. When you have pro-abortion policies and the man claims to be a Catholic, how do you allow him to claim to be a Catholic? How do you allow him to take communion when he behaves that way? So, you know, we're living in strange times. We need some courage in our pastors and priests and in our ministers.
0: Yes, and, and that's because people love to just take that one verse, judge not, take it totally out of context and then erase everything that came before and after that verse and just say, oh, we can't judge anyone rather than saying this is truth. And when it's clearly against truth, then it's false. We'll be right back with more of just the truth.
3: What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion
0: Welcome back to Just the Truth, where I'm continuing the conversation with Pastor Daryl Scott and my good friend Eric Metaxas, who is uh, the author of the brand new book, Fish Out of Water. And gentlemen, I hope that this conversation has really inspired people and encouraged them to speak out and speak up for truth, especially pastors. But anyone, regardless of your voice, you're impacting your own families, your communities, your own churches, uh, wherever your social network is, your in-person network, all of this matters that Christians across the country and across the world have to continue standing for truth. And uh, Eric, I know that you have done a lot of work uh, in standing for truth with your show, The Eric Metaxas Show, and also with this brand new book, Fish Out of Water. So uh, for people who want to get this, uh, what is this about?
2: Fish Out of Water started out as, I just wanted to tell my conversion story. I had a really dramatic, miraculous conversion around my 25th birthday, um, and I've always wanted to tell that story and it it's a dream really uh, where where Jesus speaks to me in a dream it's it's totally miraculous I don't mean it was a weird dream I mean it was a mir- straight up miracle and it changed everything my life changed literally overnight I was not sure who Jesus was or if I could accept him or if he, the next day everything was changed and I wanted to tell the story of everything leading up to that. So it's my life up to my 25th birthday. And the reason I wrote it was so people, who, if you wanna share your faith or something with somebody who's not gonna read a Christian book, I wrote this book for those people. It's a really fun read. The Jesus stuff doesn't come till the very end. Once you're kind of sucked into it uh, and you may be able to make some sense of it at the end. So it's just a fun read. A lot of really insane, funny stories. I promise you've read the reviews and stuff. Uh, it, it's all true and you won't believe half of it, but I promise you there's not a syllable that's made up. But I did write it for people. It's nothing political uh, and there's very little theological until you get to the end. I was one of those people. I didn't know what I believed. Then I went to Yale University and I really got confused and God in his mercy maneuvered me into a place where he could speak to me and he changed my life and I'm grateful and I wanted to tell people about that. So that's why I wrote the book.
0: I love it and anyone who knows Eric and I'm, I'm so grateful that you and I are really good friends and we have been friends for years now. Anyone who knows Eric will tell you, he is always full of hilarious, just insane stories that are all true and I love it. So I can't wait to read this book. Um, and Pastor Scott, you know, this is such a great point that our testimony matters. Every single person who's made in the image of God and who accepts the truth of the work on the cross, the life, death, and resurrection as a literal historical event, we all have a testimony. I mean, and that comes from in law, when someone testifies to their own eyewitness experience, that's what they're doing to prove the truth claim. And that's what we do by our testimony on a daily basis. And so you have a show uh, here on Real America's Voice called Smackdown. So tell people uh, when they can watch that and uh, what your emphasis is on that show.
1: Well, you know, our show comes on on Saturday evenings at 7 p.m., and it's more political, and but it's not political in the sense of uh, seriousness. is pretty. It's, it's, it's kind of satirical, political and satirical at the same time. I don't try to deceive myself into thinking I'm other than I am. I'm not a, a journalist. I'm not a, a newsman. I'm not a pundit. I simply am a guy who is not as afraid to share his opinion and has a pretty big mouth and uh, you know president trump is the one actually that got me this platform where he asked the owner of the network to give me this platform and i thank god for that but i'm able to use it to express my opinions and um it's a pretty opinionated show i give my opinion and uh nothing's off limits and it's totally unfiltered
0: I love it. I love it. And I'm so grateful that here on uh, Real America's Voice, we have the opportunity to speak truth, to not just be political, but to bring this back to the things that ultimately matter in the truth of the Word of God and everything around us that is built out of that truth. And so, uh, Eric Metaxas and Pastor Scott, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Uh, Watch Smackdown every Saturday at 7 p.m., and I can't wait to read Eric's book, Fish Out of Water. I'll have to have you guys back again really soon i